This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Sandra Robinson-Burns, writer and the protagonist of Heroin Training, and here with me to introduce today's interview is my co-host, actress and activist, Grace Gordon. Hi, Grace. Hi, Sandra. Today's guest is my favorite business coach, Erica Lermark, whose pronouns are she, her. I have known Erica for many years now and have worked with her. What she does is she helps female entrepreneurs develop personality-driven sales and marketing plans. She's the author of Think Like a Stripper, and I am a graduate of her Triple Expert program where I developed Everyday Wonderland, and I was also a member of her business accelerator, Marked Women. So in the middle of May, I recorded this interview with Erica, which is a conversation that's especially for the woman who wants to bring her art into her business. I love that you are so close with Erica and that we're getting to have, you know, this master class in um, marketing and like thinking expansively about the way that you communicate your message. This I got so much out of this episode and I'm so excited that we just get to share this juicy information. Well, in just a moment, we will turn it over to that conversation and I'll just say that tone-wise, it takes me back to when I first talked to Erica and I like had my notebook ready and I had all of these questions prepared for um, for a coaching session I was going to do when I got on the phone with her for the first time. And I, I was like, okay, I need to make the most of this time. And actually, I, I didn't end up like following the plan because talking to her, she just makes business seem so integrated with the life that I want to live. And I just found myself like exhaling with relief at like, oh, maybe it can be this simple. So hopefully this interview can give you a little sampling of what that is like. Yeah, and a little sampling about looking at the business side of your art practice or your art life as like not this horrible monster that intimidates you, but instead something that, like you said, can be integrated and can be pleasurable. Um, I, I always feel and all of us feel like artists don't have enough education in running a business and, um, you know, handling their accounting and their marketing like that is so missing in our either self education or in our arts programs. So like the fact that Erica also makes it fun and makes it like heart centered is such a gift and I learned so much from this episode so I think we should just jump right in and let people hear it. Here is my conversation with Erica Lermark. Enjoy! Welcome back to The Art Life where I am here in the studio with Erica Lermark to talk business craft. Welcome to the art life, Erica. Hello, I'm super excited to be here. I am so excited to introduce everyone to your magic. It feels like you've been behind the scenes on the art life since before I even started podcasting with heroin training. You were requesting it 
as something that I needed to do. And that was part of what you're best at, which is seeing what should be brought out of anyone that you're working with in marked women, et cetera. So I feel like you've been part of the show from the very beginning. Well, thank you. It's it's very exciting. And I remember when we first met, I had put out, <clears throat> this was what almost four years ago, I had put out this one-time thing that I n- have never done before. And I sent an email to my list and I said, hey, I'm doing, you know, you can borrow my brain for 30 minutes, $195. And you were one of the people who signed up for that. And then you joined Marked Women and we worked together for several years and then you graduated, so to speak. And it's just so fun to see you evolve over the years and to really see you turn your business truly into art. Um, You're, you know, constantly crafting your business. And then just, what was it, a month ago, I messaged you and I said, hey, we need to write a book about minimalism. Is that something that you would be interested in doing with me? And of course, I said yes right away to that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I was hoping that you would. Um, and so I don't want to reveal the title of it yet. Um, but for everybody listening, let's just say it's a it's a book about minimalism for people who are already minimalists or are on the or minimalist curious, but they're already on the path to minimalism. So we are not we are not writing this book as a how-to. It's not a how-to guide. It's really um, a, a conversation, a book about our experiences with minimalism and how it's changed our life and businesses. I just, I love the in medias race of it all, of just getting getting into where we already are in the process, in our lifestyles, and that I was so excited when you came up with that shift from a how-to to a we're already doing this conversation because that is the ethos of the art life as well, is that we love to talk about process. We love to talk about your daily life, what it what it looks like now, and there'll be some details about how you got there. But most of all, I'm interested in the present moment, and that's something that you drew my attention to and I you also drew my attention to this idea of business craft that I can integrate my art with the business side of things it doesn't have to be these different hats and so that happened to be the first lesson of marked women when I came on board was about witchcraft and business craft and it was just the perfect first chapter for me to start with so I would like to start this conversation there too and ask you when it comes to running a business how is art part of the strategy for you well, art has always been a huge part of my life, and specifically, I would say, uh, making physical things. So, you know, that's making things that have um, a life form or have a functionality, I would say, is definitely part of my craft. So when I was little, my dad um, always had this, like, a big workshop and with, you know, 
to all the tools that you need to make anything. My dad is a, is a master craftsman. Like even to this day, he makes furniture, like the most gorgeous furniture. He has this bedroom set that he made for him and his wife. And it's like this Scandinavian Japanese style. And it's perfect because my stepmom is half Japanese and half Norwegian. And it is just like the most gorgeous deluxe furniture. And so, you know, crafting has really been a part of my childhood and my upbringing. And when I was little, I'm, you know, I'm always looking to make things that have a functional purpose to it. So I would, you know, go into the garage and I would make go-karts for my guinea pigs. Um, and then I, then I learned to sew. My mom taught me how to like hand sew pillows. That was my first sewing project. And then I wanted to make my dog Snoopy. Um, you know, I really loved wearing these, you know, uh, I don't know if well, you weren't alive then, but <laughs> um, there, there was in the seventies, there was this um, style. I mean, it's, it's come back now, but it was like this track suit kind of style, jogger style of these rompers. They're made out of terry cloth. Erica, you know, I've seen the Brady Bunch. Okay. Per- no, this is, this is post Brady Bunch. This is after the Brady Bunch. So it's later Brady Bunch. So they didn't wear these. This is more like um, Charlie's Angel style. It was during that genre. Okay. Go on. Um, okay. So, uh, so I made my dog Snoopy a pair of yellow terry cloth shorts so we could be twinsies. Of course, he was not into wearing them, but I still made him wear them. So I've always been crafting and, and making things and, um, and my craft evolved. So it's, and it always evolves from a need that I have. So when I was in high school, I learned how to sew clothes and then I went on and I got a degree in apparel design. Um, and then I went to work in, you know, commercial real estate and I, um, I just couldn't see myself in the apparel design world for, for some reason it just lacked, uh, a purpose that I, I couldn't find my, my place in it. And then when I started, you know, the current business that I have now, what I loved about it so much is that I could pour every single crazy random idea I had into it. And because of the internet, you know, it's so easy to whip things up and test them out and experiment and play with them that I discovered this new love of like digitizing my crafting. And um, I also really learned, I also really learned this about myself that I love uh, creating these online experiences and really crafting online versus making a physical product or physical project. But there still is always uh, a function to everything that I do. So I remember one day I was thinking in my head, what is it like if I say to myself, I'm crafting a business versus running a business? And I thought, this is so much more fun. Crafting a business is so much more fun than running a business because, you know, once you know the basics of marketing, the rest is craft and fun and magic and play and and exploration. So now I say that, you know, running a business is like 10% logic and then 90% magic. How freeing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's It can be that simple. And so I, I really appreciate that leadership lesson of, of your, your confidence in that structure or that, that balance between the logic and the magic because, wow. 
it works. Yeah, and it totally works. I mean, look at how your art has evolved with your essays. So when you do, you know, your essays and then you post in this, you know, in stories on Instagram, you make these gorgeous graphics that go along with it. So you're not just reading this post, it's a post that that comes alive and it has a feeling and a magical quality to it. So you're enhancing your gorgeous written word with incredible visuals that are totally unique to you. Thank you. You're welcome. And the other thing that I wanted to say is that, you know, you had talked about process and I also love process. So I love watching shows about manufacturing. I love to see how things are made. I really under want to understand people's craft. So I love shows like, you know, um, what is it? Chef's Table on Netflix, because you really understand um, why these chefs create the way that they do and what influences them. And, you know, my business is I'm in sales, in sales and marketing space, helping you know, female entrepreneurs develop their sales and marketing plans. And I have a very differing viewpoint than what a lot of, you know, traditional um, direct response marketers talk about. And so, you know, the way that I was taught, you know, traditional direct response marketing is that it's all about the result. You need to totally focus on the result and that your customers don't care about process. And I think that's true in some, in some cases, I think that is absolutely true. Like, um, you know, if I'm getting plastic surgery, you know, I'm very open that I have breast augmentation. I don't want to know about the, I don't want to know everything that my doctor did. I'm just like, la, 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 la. I don't want to know because it freaks me out. Um, but now I'm working with a functional medicine doctor and I want to know about the process. I want to know how she thinks. I want to know exactly what we are going to be doing. And so now the way that I have been developing my sales and marketing for um, like the last six months, it's very process oriented. And so one of the things that I've switched from doing is creating sales pages to making what I call a product tour. And in a product tour, it's as if I'm walking through uh, a potential customer through everything that we are going to be doing and everything that we're going to be working on and why I'm doing it and what they can expect from you know their experience from that. So yes, there's the result of the program, um, but then there's also the process of it because I find that the more educated my customers are about the actual process the better results they get because they're able to fully commit to the process and the better I'm able to coach them and to help them because they're meeting me. You know, it's like we're partners, you know, sitting at a table and they're not, they know what's expected of them and they're, they're ready to show up and, and to partner with me. So I'm, you know, I talk about transformational marketing versus transactional marketing but I think part of that trans- transformational marketing is also part of really sharing about the process. Um, so I love that you and Grace talk about process so much because I think it is everybody's process is a little bit different. And I think that is such a unique story. And that is what makes our art 
so fascinating once we can understand the process. So first of all, I also want to point out how much I love the term product tour and how I love your your names for things when you have different little lessons and tips they all have a fabulous name attached and product tour is such a perfect example of that well thank you i can't say that i can take credit for that because i'm sure i've heard that somewhere else but i just love the concept of it of like hey take a tour you know i'm going to come and show you behind the scenes I'm going to lift the curtain because I want you to know exactly what you're in for. When you say that within the context of the Daily Whip, Erica Laramark world, I can just picture it in an instant. So um, it totally felt like like yours. And I just I love that way of thinking about touring people around the process because no matter what your product or service is, as a customer, I have, when I'm investing in somebody's specific specific thing, I want to, I have my way of doing things and I want to see if it aligns with the teaching style and the way that, um, that a course is presented or the way that a product is, um, is put together. I care about those details. And so, I, I think that's a great shift. Yeah, and, and and as the creator of something, when you write down your process, it helps you understand your own magic better. And it's very rare that people actually think through their own process because it becomes it's it's so natural to us, right? Like it's something that we've been doing for years. The more we do it, the 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 better and better we get at it. But to write it down and to educate and inform your customer about this is why this is included in this. It's really cool because you become incredibly confident about what you do and you stop having to mess around with the conversation of, you know, does this sales page capture everything that I do? Um, My, I have a program called uh, triple expert and it is a product and service design program and it the product tour for it is 17 pages long. So when people go to what would be, you know, considered a traditional sales page, it's it's it is long. It is like hardcore long form sales copy. Um but since I um started using that instead of the sales page I had before, I look at the other sales page and it looks um it feels like I'm cheating people, like I'm cheating people out of the full adventure of what's in store for them. It's such an interesting shift to think about in the context of minimalism, because even though you're adding more words to the word count, what the product tour really does in emphasizing what you're doing and why every single aspect is important to be included is saying every every part of this has been considered and has been tailored down and has a, a meaning and a reason for being here where a lot of 
um, and I've certainly been guilty of this, a lot of um, products and services on the market have a lot of like bells and whistles that have been added for the sake of um, of like adding more and thinking that that will help. But actually, what I learned from you is to really tailor it down to a very simple um, core curriculum for for a course, for instance. Yeah, because the the less you okay, so I'll just talk about triple expert because uh, it's it's only three weeks long, and so when people register, I give them access to a very basic password protected page. They you know they put in the password, and then there's eight eight audios, and it's all just like boom 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 boom. There's transcripts, and then there's some worksheets. And I remember I had one lady who was in triple expert and she said to me, she was a, um, a school teacher who was starting her own side business. And she said, I, when I first saw this, I thought, this is it. This is what I've paid, you know, good money for because there's, there's nothing here. And then she said, when she went through the lessons, um, the design strategy, she said, wow, I realized how brilliant this was because it was so simple and so effortless and immediately put my brain and my creativity into action. And so that's how I design the things that I do is to keep it so simple because I, you know, I work with women who already have their own level of expertise. They have their own creative ideas and I'm not here to make, you know, uh, replicas of Erica. I want everybody to be their, their own unique version of them. And I've taken these very complicated, um, market sales and marketing strategies. And I've drilled them down to just like the most core basic level. And by doing so, it allows my customer to imprint her own craft onto them. So it makes it very easy for her to develop these, you know, what would be considered these complex marketing strategies. But once I kind of like, again, pull back the curtain and show like, this is the core of it. Now, Let's take your ideas and let's create your version of this core concept. So it allows for incredible creativity. And um, in Triple Expert, everybody creates what's called a, a product design brief. And so they go through the program and each, you know, there's questions at the end of each design strategy. And then they answer those questions. And after they've gone through all of the eight design strategies, they basically have their product design brief. They transfer those answers onto this product design brief. They edit it. They polish it. They make it the very best that they can. And then they have this incredible document, which they can then turn over to someone to you know, write their sales copy for them, to create a product tour if they want to do that themselves. Um, and they can use this product design brief for um, you know, doing pitches, for putting together presentations, for writing... Um, you know, sales and marketing copy. So it's a very simple process that's incredibly expansive. So I'm always asking myself, what's the simplest version of this? Mm -hmm. And as a an alum of Triple Expert, I can confirm that I still have my product design brief bookmarked on my browser and I refer to it at least once a month as a refresher of this is the core. It's part of my 10% of this is 
the hard work that I've already put into setting up the structure of things. And I can now lean on that and play and create something that I enjoy creating um, for, for the marketing of it. Yeah. And then, you know, what I also love about it is then my triple X for customers, they can, um, they can, you know, they can use that design system again and again and again for their life of the biz- their business. And they can use it for creating programs. They can use it for creating physical products. They can use it for uh, writing books. You know, I have a lot of customers who write books and I say, Hey, okay, great. You've got your idea. And I'll go through triple expert, um, and do, and put together product design brief for your book and let me take a look at it. And they do. And it's, again, it's, it's such a simple process because it allows you to take your ideas, you know, take the concept, the the design system, and then put in your own ideas into it. So we've talked about this product design brief as an example of a way to have that central structure for running a business. And we've also talked about our minimalist book and all of these different ideas and um, different creative projects that pop up on our minds. So I would love to know, as you are someone who has so many ideas, how do you decide which ones to pursue? Well, I am someone who used to struggle from what I call Idearia. I used to own the domain name Idearia along with about 200 other domain names. And I never used it because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do with it exactly. Um, and my idea was so bad back in 2011 when I was going full-time in my business. Um, my friend, Betty Jean Bell, was helping me launch my first big group coaching program. And she's, and I had so many ideas and I was so all over the place. And she said to me, Erica, if you don't stop with the ideas, I'm quitting. I can't take it anymore. And I thought, "Uh oh, (laughs) no, I'm in big trouble. And it's, you know, really fun to create these really big over the top ideas, but it's like, I did not have the, the time, money, energy, or resources to implement these ideas. You know, I was basically 10 years ahead of my business And she had this great suggestion and she said, you need an idea box. And I said, what's an idea box? And she said, just get a box, you know, cute little box. And then every time you have an idea, write it down on a piece of paper and then put it in the box so that you're not forgetting about it. And I thought, that's a great idea. I need an idea box. So I went out and I bought um, a really cute red box and I started putting all of my ideas in there. Well, I've been in business uh, almost full-time for uh, almost nine years. It'll be nine years this September. And I have a lot, I I can't say I have less ideas, but I would say my ideas are more focused. And what has been so great about being able to do my own thing for, you know, almost nine years is that a lot of those ideas, I've had an opportunity to have those ideas play out. And so now what I think of, as with all of my ideas, I think of them more as a, um, like a repurposing of ideas, simplifying my ideas, making my ideas better. 
And so I don't have as many random ideas as I used to. And now my ideas really flow into what is the exact project that I'm going to funnel this idea through? You know, who's, who are the people who can help me with that? And if it's, if it's something that feels like too big, it just goes way, way, way on the back burner. Like, For example, I've been concepting this luxury handbag line for years, and the concept is that it's for the woman who does not need one more handbag. And this is the kind of woman who is, you know, going to the store and hiding the shopping bag from her spouse or her partner, um, you know, if she lives with someone because she doesn't want them to know that, yes, she bought another handbag because that is me. I'm often hiding things from my husband because I don't want him to know. And I'm not as bad as I used to be. Um, but I just, I, I don't have the bandwidth for that. I mean, that is a completely different ball game than the game that I'm playing now. But I just, you know, keep throwing my ideas in my idea box for that. So now most of my ideas get um, funneled into things that I'm already doing because I guess I have a different intention. You know, I'm really secure in my business. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly where I'm going. And so those ideas get funneled into making what I'm doing even better. And then when I have other ideas, like the book on minimalism, um, I approached you and I said, hey, you know, what do you think about writing this book together? And and just so you know, it's going to be a while before I can start on it, but we can start concepting and plotting our ideas now. So it's this constant funneling process of where does this idea go. I like the freedom that comes with how it sounds like you're answering that question because it's not where does this idea go in terms of what's the what's the 12 month plan of when exactly is this book going to go to print? It's what is more what you're asking with where is the where is this idea going to go? Yeah, what's the bandwidth? How can I process this? Um, does it make sense to pursue this now or is it later? And again, because I've been so fortunate to see a lot of my ideas, you know, be birthed in the marketplace. I know that there is a divine timing when it comes to Mm -hmm. ideas. So when I wrote Think Like a Stripper, it took me four years to write that book. And I calculated that it was about 3,800 hours. I had never written a book before. Um, I was very, um, very, I don't know, I, I was a beginner when it came to organizing those, those kinds of ideas. And so now um, it, it doesn't take me as long to concept things, but that was, you know, that was, that was my first book. And so it took me a long time to do that. And I remember I would get a lot of pressure from people like, when are you going to, when is the book coming out? When is the book coming out? When is the book coming out? And I had to really learn to stand up for my creative ideas and say, it will be done when it's done and not one day before then. So quit asking <laughs> me. And now I've been concepting the, a serialized podcast for the book um, based on the book since 2014. So that, that's six years now. Still talking about it. It's still happening. Uh, the concepts are getting closer and closer and closer. But I have, you know, I'm running a business and there are certain things in my business that have to be 
taken care of before I can bring on this other huge project. So it's kind of like, how do I organize all of my ideas so that it fits the needs of my business? Because my business does have needs and it is a fun and creative process for myself. Mm. I'm just so I'm 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 processing how much I'm enjoying hearing about these comparative timelines of how long it took you to write Think Like a Stripper of the expansive timelines for current projects and being confident in your process and how how long it could take um i'm i'm just enjoying that and i'm also i also happen to know that you recently came back from a weekend in the woods and on the art life grace and i have talked about how retreats in nature have often led to epiphanies and new ideas and just understandings so is that the case for you? What did you bring back from the woods? What did you learn? So <laughs> I'm probably the most boring uh, adventurer in the woods. Um, I'm the kind of gal who says, let's take a walk. And then after an hour, I say, okay, let's go back and binge on Netflix. <laughs> and so my husband's like, okay. So <laughs> what I really learned is that if I take two CBD pills, I can really, really relax. So I have to double dose on my CBD. And that is honestly my biggest takeaway from the woods. Fabulous. Because, be, Yeah, because relaxing for me, it's, it, it is not easy for me. Like it is difficult for me to relax. Mm. You know, I'm super type A. I just want to keep working and writing and concepting. And so relaxation is, it's definitely a new adventure for me. Well, back in January, I was in a cottage in the Highlands with my husband, Steve, and I got into this routine of just working in the morning and then we would go out for a walk in the afternoon. And it was when I reframed it as a work retreat of like, this is a writing retreat in the woods instead of a vacation. I just, I just felt yeah. so much more at ease. Yeah. Yeah. I, even when my husband and I travel, I always work in the mornings. It's something that, um, you know, you'd ask me about, about, you know, staying grounded or what are my grounding practices? And honestly, working is incredibly grounding for me. Mm. I feel such a sense of fulfillment. Um, really the only time I feel like I'm working is if I'm getting my, um, my books ready for my CPA for the month. Um, that definitely feels like work or if I'm like handling paperwork, I mean, I know this isn't work, but like my husband, anyways, he won't like that. I'm saying this, but he ran into a pole. And so now I have to, you know, I'm getting, working on getting the, the car fixed. That is work to me. Like that is like, I don't want to be dealing with that at all. Um, but for the most part, you know, the accounting is once a month, once a month, it's, it might, you know, my husband has never run into a pole and crashed the car before. So that's the rare occasion. We don't own a home, so I don't have to handle the things that I used, you know, that come along with home ownership um, that I hated doing. So gra uh, work is incredibly grounding for me. And I, I mean, like, I, again, I'm so fortunate that I'm able to do, 
what I truly love to do in this world. Like it's, it is such an incredible blessing. The way that you've influenced how I run my work and what I remember from the beginning of Triple Expert was this emphasis on enjoying yourself and enjoying the process and finding things that would would keep that enjoyment in motion alongside the more the the work that needs to get done. So I also just want to I want to ask you some fun questions like what are you obsessed with right now? I am obsessed with our book <laughs> um about minimalism. I keep thinking about it. So I'm obsessed with that. Um I'm also obsessed with Skims, Kim's Kim Kardashian's um shapewear line. It has been so fun to see this evolve and I'm I don't know if you remember this or, if, you know, your listeners are familiar with this, but Kim had been dreaming about doing the shapewear line for 10 years. And she felt like she was an expert on shapewear um, because she wore so much shapewear to keep all of her curves smooth and, and to keep everything in place. And she was constantly, um, you know, cutting up and cutting up shapewear and like, you know, she's like, she would cut the leg off one side. She's like, why don't they just sell one legged shapewear? And so that was something that she was doing. So she had this dream of launching her own, creating her own shapewear line. And she was going to originally call it kimono in which was going to be a play on her name. And then, you know, when she went to file the trademark for it, there was a lot of uh, you know, backlash against her using the name for, you know, traditional Japanese uh, robe Fair. for a line of shapewear. And so, you know, she had spent, I don't know, I'm sure she lost several million dollars because she, you know, things had already been put into production, the trademarking, the, the graphic design, etc. Um, but then she went back to the drawing board with her, um, with her ideas and I think it was actually Kanye who came up with the name Skims. And I think Skims is 100% a better name than Kimono. It is short. You know, it's S-K-I-M-S. It's, you know, the best brand names, Prada, Chanel, Gucci, Spanx, everything's short, right? And so it's really easy to get that logo on packaging or if she were to come up with like a line of bags or if she wanted to do sweatshirts. I hope she comes out with like Skims hoodies because I would totally buy one. And so I'm obsessed with how she is crafting this business. And I have yet to purchase any actual Skims shapewear, but I did buy um, some of her masks that she, that, that they made. And I actually just got them in the mail yesterday. And I was really impressed with the, um, amount of packaging, I should say the amount of packaging that they did not use. So mm -hmm. the package, it basically came in a, in a um, cardboard envelope. And then I opened it up and I was like, oh no, they're wrapped in plastic. And then the, I saw this big sign on the packaging that said, this is not plastic. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It is biodegradable. And so there was a note on there that this is biodegradable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it had the um, Skims logo on it. Um, and I thought, you know, this is, you know, this is the the trend that I hope, you know, packaging is going because I do get disgusted with the amount of plastic, single use plastic that is used in packaging. And I think if we're going to waste 
you know, planetary resources, there's way better waste planet. There's way better ways to waste planetary resources than in <laughs> single use plastic. Um, so I'm really, really obsessed with skims and how it is, um, how she's, you know, she's really crafting a business. Like there's, that is such a great example of someone who is definitely into her craft and is crafting a business. So I'm obsessed with skims for sure. I'm obsessed with creative packaging in general, especially with a sustainability outlook. But especially these days, I'm getting so many packages delivered. I just I really appreciate it if there's like a a little personal touch that is that is specific to that brand that that just is like it's like a little welcome mat to enjoying the product. Yes. Have you ever ordered a pair of teaks? No. Do I need to? So they're, yes, you do. They're ballet flats. They're my favorite ballet flats. They're super comfortable. And they send a handwritten note with every order. And they will even write down. So if you order a second pair, they will say, hey, we hope you enjoy your second pair as much as your first pair. And they will reference, um, you know, what you purchase, like they are professional, um, note writers. That's amazing. You know, what is really funny as I've set up my podcast studio, this is a behind the scenes tour for a moment. I have these images and nice things around me because I'm just standing here talking for a while. So I want to be looking at things that make me happy. So I have this little handwritten in crayon, note from my friend Felice who runs a bakery and uh, at, at the moment during lockdown it's a bakery delivery service so she made this little handwritten card for me that has uh, like a glittery pipe cleaner attached to it and it's just it's so nice so I have it next to my microphone I'm looking at it right now while we're talking about handwritten notes and packages yeah, it's those really personal touches that take, you know, just a few minutes to do, but it it really makes a lasting impression on your customers because it's so rare. Erica, has your Rent the Runway order arrived yet? Uh, no, it hasn't because I haven't started it yet. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So this is uh, a conversation that you and I were having about minimalism. So. You know, my wardrobe is basically jeans, black leggings, you know, uh, hoodies, slouchy sweaters, crop tops, and that's kind of it. And I used to wear, you know, a lot of stilettos. Now I live in Seattle and it's very much a walking city. So when I lived in Minneapolis, you know, you basically drive everywhere and you can park right out front and then you can just, you know, saunter on in and stilettos. Where in Seattle, there's a lot of walking. And at my age, I just, you know, my body just can't handle that anymore. And I, you know, I really, really love to walk. So I would much rather wear more comfortable shoes. So I was having this dilemma around, I really love doing photo shoots for Instagram. Um, but I think that my clothes, or I was thinking about this, like I love watching, um, I love watching HGTV. So if I would say those are, that's one of my obsessions. There's two shows I'm obsessed with, with, and that is Restored by the Fords and Windy City Rehab. 
And one of the reasons I love those shows is I love watching what the designers are wearing. I love seeing what Leon Ford is wearing. Her style is very crisp, mostly all neutrals. Most of them are clothes that I would not wear, but they are so totally Leanne. They look amazing. And then I love how Alice and Victoria dresses on um, Windy City Rehab very much um, how I used to dress when I worked in commercial real estate. And then a lot of you know the things that I wear now, a lot of leggings and tennis shoes and oversized sweatshirts, et cetera. So I'm thinking about my Instagram and I think, you know, I want to entertain people. Like that's part of the fun of Instagram and doing these photo shoots. It's it's part of the fantasy. It's part of the dress up. And that has been in the past a huge part of my personality is really just going all out with my clothing style. And, you know, I don't have that personal need in my personal life. I'm very comfortable wearing, uh, you know, leggings and a sweatshirt and then white tennis shoes. Like that is definitely one of my go-to looks. But again, for Instagram, it gets boring. So I thought, well, what can I do that will still honor my minimalism? Because I don't want a closet packed full of clothes. I've had that life in the past. It does not serve me anymore. So I started thinking about maybe I should do Rent the Runway. So I I checked into it and I'm looking at the clothes and a lot of the clothes are, you know, way more over the top clothes that I would wear in real life. But I think of if I had a TV show, if I was on a TV show, I would definitely not be wearing leggings and a sweatshirt and tennis shoes for my TV show. Like it would be way more interesting than that. I'd really want to put on a good show. And so I want to put on a good show on Instagram. So um, renting the runway is definitely on my short list. Um, But I have a project that I'm working on. And it's basically, I'm basically writing a sales and marketing Bible for my clients in my business accelerator, Marked Women. And when I'm done, it's going to be like, oh, it's going to be so big. It's like three or 400 pages long, but it's basically all of my processes that I use in my sales and marketing. And part of the length of that is I'm including like complete launch content. So when I launch Triple Expert, like all of the content, um, scripts, Instagram posts, um, I do this product confidence workshop. It's So it's about 140 pages long. And so like everything is included in that because I really want people to understand, you know, the, my process. Um, so that is a huge project that I'm working on. So my glamour shots for Instagram are on hold until I can get, I can get a, a bigger core of that done. But as soon as that's done, I'm definitely uh, digging into rent the runway because I I want my Instagram to be more fun and interesting with cool clothes that I um, wouldn't buy but that are super fun to wear. Erica, we've been talking about this offline, and you asked me about do you ever just want more clothes for Instagram? And I just could not relate to this question. I was like, what is she talking about? But now that we've been talking about it some more. I I get what you're saying. And it's part of the production design. It's part of the costume design. And as I have been navigating Instagram into the online virtual spaces, I've been noticing how I notice the clothes and I notice the people because of what clothes they've worn. It's, it's part of the character 
that you're showing up as. And often what people see is just a static image of you. And so you might as well let the clothes do some of the talking for you. Absolutely. And it's one of the reasons why I love Gossip Girl. It's one of the reasons I love the Brady Bunch because I love the costuming on the Brady Bunch. It's one of the reasons why I love Selling Sunset is because I'm obsessed with the clothes they're wearing. So it combines, you know, two of my favorite things, interior design and and high fashion. And I thought, wow, and like it I don't know if it gets better than this. I still haven't seen season two. I'm so excited to start it. I I binged it at the cabin and season three is already coming out in August. So you better hurry up. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. I will get on that. Yes. But I do have one more question for you, which is from Grace, even though she's not here, she wanted to ask you what your advice is for how artists should go about finding the right collaborators. And what do you wish artists knew about business partnerships? I would look for collaborators who have the same work ethic as you. Mm. What do you mean by work ethic? Someone who has the same work values. So one of the things is I'm a hyper communicator. So I could never partner with someone who was not a hyper communicator. This is one of the reasons why I asked you if you wanted to write this minimalism book with me is because I know that when I send you a message on Voxer that I know that I'm a priority. And so even sometimes, um, you know, you and I can get quite busy, but I know you haven't forgotten about me. And I know that I'm a priority. I know that I'm top of mind for you. Well, you are. And vice versa. So, so example, so like with my friend Shauna, we're working on this day planner called Very, Very V, and we've been working on it for five years now this summer. We are in the last leg of it. We've cemented, we know all of the images that we're using. We just have one more piece of glorious, uh, this content section that we're not sure how to put together visually in the book. That is the last section that we're working on. Um, but she is someone who has the same work ethic as me. She, um, she only puts out work that she feels is her very best. So I know that when she sends me designs, I know that she spent a lot of time and energy and thought thinking about the designs. And when I am sending her content, so she's in charge of all the visuals and I'm in charge of like the writing, the writing that's in there. Um, and she knows that I have done my very best to um, put together the very best content that's possible. And we're both really, really committed to the day planner, even though it's taken us a long time to really figure out what we're doing together. So if someone doesn't have the same work ethic as you, it's never going to be a good match. And you also have to work with someone that you know it's going to be a 50-50 contribution match. So you have to know that they are going to be putting just as much effort into it as you are. So I would recommend that you really get to know somebody for at least a year before you jump on a collaboration. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. 
Unless here, the, here's the flip side of that. The other thing that you could do is if you're not sure is you could say, you know what, I'm going to be the, the co-pilot in this collaboration. This is your show. I'm simply here to collaborate with you. Mm. So setting the roles up front. Yes. Yes. And not everybody is going to be a, like, I can think of some people in my life that I would love to do some, you know, kind of collaborations on, but it would definitely have to be my project. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think that because of the way our minds work, I don't think that it could be a 50-50 creative split. Yeah. And that's so good to know and to take a moment to take a moment to define yeah. So for another example, as I'm thinking is like, if you are someone who like high quality is and, and perfectionism, like putting out the most perfect product that you can is important to you. Don't collaborate with someone who does not have the same perfectionistic ideals that you have. Right. So I feel like tying up this conversation in a bow with a gem that you taught me that is relevant to this lesson and relevant to a couple of other themes that you brought up as well is the importance of knowing your priorities. Because before you see if they align with somebody else's, you first have to know what your own are. So that's an action step that is coming to mind for me. Yes. I always say it's discipline is knowing your priorities and acting upon them. So discipline is not being formulaic or robotic or doing things that you don't want to do. Discipline is getting really, really clear on, Hey, these are my priorities and they're so important to me that I'm going to put them above everything else. And I'm going to act on them. It has served me well since that particular week t- week in marked women so thank you for that well i can i can tell in your work your work is top notch for thank sure thank you erica we love to end these episodes by asking each other and asking our guests what is the art life so what is the art life So the art life for me is when I started the Daily Whip journey, so I came up with a name for, you know, my, you know, online empire, the Daily Whip back in 2008 slash 2009. And it's so interesting because that back then it was really about like hardcore momentum and motivation and productivity. And now I've, you know, I've kept the name, the Daily Whip, because it is still very much a part of my personality. I'm very opinionated. I'm super bossy. If I have an idea for you, you are absolutely going to know about it. But now my art life is more in tune with what Shauna and I are doing in our very, very be day planner. And I cannot wait to share it with the world. So we have this motto in very, very V, and that is procrastination is the new productive. For me, that means, yes, I'll say it again. Procrastination is the new productive. So for me, that means like living my life. I'm not waking up with what's on my daily whip list. Grind, 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 grind. 
momentum, 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 intensity, 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 get it done. Now I'm like, how can I make this just the most delicious experience ever? How can I give all of my attention and energy to whatever it is in front of me? And so it's a real, um, I would say my day is not fast food. It is definitely a seven course meal. Ooh la la. I do love a dining metaphor. (laughs) Yes, me too, especially for someone who doesn't really cook. But that's how I think of it. It's like I want to enjoy and savor every moment of my day. And I never want to feel rushed or stressed or panicked with how much there is on my, back to the dining metaphor, (laughs) how much there is on my plate. Well, you have taught me so much and I am I'm just so excited to share this conversation with everyone to to show how scary simple and elegant your business craft can be. Erica, you have a fabulous Instagram that I have to insist that everybody follows, which is at Daily Whip. Where else can people be introduced to your work? What is the what is the trajectory that you recommend at the moment for getting familiar with you and what you do? Uh, well, first, I want to say that if you decide to follow me on Instagram, of course, I'm deeply honored. And make sure to message me. Send me a DM. I'm Again, I'm a hyper communicator. I love hearing from people. I love chatting with people. Um, so definitely hop on over to Instagram and say hello to me in, in the DMs. And then go to dailywhip.com slash adventure. And this is where I have stockpiled a bunch of freebies. Um, sometimes, you know, they're they're different depending on what's going on in my business. Uh, but now you can um, you can grab a free read of Think Like a Stripper, but you have to go to dailywhip.com slash adventure. So if you want to like get a you know, a, a, a sneak peek. It's not even a sneak. It's actually the full book, but it's on my website. You have to read it on my site. Um, but you just go to dailyloop.com slash adventure. And I've got some other goodies over there for you as well. So I hope to see you over there. Well, thank you for laying out, for rolling out the adventure map. We will leave a link to that page in the show notes. And Erica, It's been fun. Thank you so much. So fun. Our first interview together. We'll have to have you back to talk all about Very, Very V when it arrives because Grace and I love planners. So stay tuned, everyone. Okay, bye. welcome back wow thank you (laughs) what is the art life the art life is 10% logic and 90% magic ah I was gonna say that (laughs) is that what you were gonna say because it was so good because it's so good that I guess to for this episode for the first time I think we should just have the same answer (laughs) Well, I think the fact that that spoke to us 
means that it's something worth sharing multiple times. All, all over the place. You're going to see this all over our online homes. Um, I, I have other I have other runners up that I, I had so many things to choose from. So, well, then then I'll go. I'll I'll pass it back to you, Zandra, and ask you what is the art life. The art life is personal, and I was thinking about as much as I have learned about integrating art and business with Erica. There is also an important distinction of like where is the line and. The line for me is that art is personal and business is functional. I really love Erica's emphasis on that of by way of handcrafted furniture of like what your business does is it serves a purpose. It serves a function for somebody else. And that's the, the very slight distinction that I find when I'm creating of like what is for me, what is for my life and what is the part that is for others. I've just never heard like a business coach or writer, like, you know, um, marketing strategist speak about these topics in a way, in the way that Erica does, but also in a way that I feel like I respond to, Mm. like my heart responds to, right? I mean, I've, I've drudged my way through learning certain, um, tactics or certain like necessary to do list items for running your own business like I do but the way that Erica talks about her ideas it excites me right that's it (laughs) that's what she does yeah I also really can like I really appreciated the shift that she was so open about talking about about process over product like, that's what we talk about in our show so much, but it's also a journey that we're on and part of the purpose of this show, part of the service that it's, you know, giving our audience is also reminding them that we're constantly learning this lesson mm. and we're constantly adjusting and that we haven't always thought this way. And to have Erica talk about her own journey from like product focused marketing to process focused to uh, talking about her, her, um, like, product tour that she now does which is all about showing her potential clients like the process of working with her it's incredible and I'm just so glad that she she showed how she you know markets her work in a process-oriented way but also that she was open about the fact that this was a a a growth moment for her this was Mm -hmm. an evolution in her business that she didn't always think that way she didn't always market her materials that way and that there is a way to do that grace you're reminding me of one of the key benefits that i gained from being in marked women her program on an ongoing basis was that we as members of this would would be let in on what Erica was trying out how she was evolving her business her evolution revolution as she would call it and we got this week by week day by day glimpse into what she was trying out in her own business and the next week we might get a okay well here's what I'm adjusting from last week's idea and it was this in real time, constant updating of the way that Erica was running her business in a way that was refreshing and not like, oh, so we have to reinvent the wheel again. It was, it was just a refining 
and an example that that's what we're going to have to do in our own work as well as as the world changes, as markets change, and as we change as individuals, it's evolving our business alongside all of that. And it was just, it was cool to learn by her example and learn the lessons that, that were so solid from her years and years of experience like this. And like your business shouldn't be stagnant. Your art shouldn't be stagnant, of mm-hmm. course. And the real longtime clients or um, audience members, like, you know, followers, followers of your work, depending on what perspective you're coming from, um, they want to invest in you. They're not investing in like a specific product. Mm -hmm. They're investing in your life's work. Um, and you know, the way that she talks about these things and the way that we're talking about it right now is a great reminder that calling in your audience, calling in your clients to see that evolution happen and like talk to them about it is so much more engaging than like, you know, suddenly radically changing or shutting something down and starting a new business and starting from scratch. You can keep those same people with you if you just open the line of communication. Yeah. Well, Erica goes into a lot more detail about her her overarching journey from uh, what we're talking about of transactional marketing to transformational marketing and a lot of other gems along the way in her book, Think Like a Stripper, which you can get for free at dailywhip.com slash adventure. And her Instagram is just an exemplification of the life that she lives and the new ideas that she's innovating. And it's gorgeous and her Instagram is delicious. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I find myself looking at it every day. I, <laughs> By the way, like I have such an Instagram crush on her. It is the Daily Whip after all. So that's at Daily Whip. Enjoy. We recorded this interview so long ago now that one of the things that is now dated is that Erica, I can confirm, has placed and received her first Rent the Runway package so i'm looking forward to seeing those outfits on her instagram soon well with that i hope everyone checks out her book and her instagram as well (laughs) um i'm so i'm just so grateful that she came on the show i i I really admire her and i i feel like i learned so much so thank you erica thank you so much erica for this interview that was talked about from the conception of the art life and uh, it's finally here, so I'm I'm so excited about that. And until next time, from my side of the world, I wish you all a good morning. And from my side of the world, I wish you a good night. Bye. Bye. This is the Art Life, a heroin training podcast with Grace Gordon and me, Zandra Robinson Burns. You can find us online at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California, 91607, or email us, theartlife at heroinetraining.com. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.